may it be used to be a help and encouragement. And Father, if we're going through these times, I pray that you would use this to help us through them today. Lord, for those that maybe are not going through these times right now, I pray that you would help us to tuck this truth away, to have it available so that when these times come, and they will, we will be able to understand and know what your will is in the matter. And so, Father, help us to rightly understand today and rightly teach. May your Holy Spirit guide and direct, and I pray that he will bring conviction where needed, bring comfort where needed. And then, Father, that we will grow in grace today. Through the preaching, the teaching of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We find that uh, Moses is being uh, pressured, if you will. Over 600,000 men, the Bible says, left Egypt. Uh, it doesn't include women and children, quite possibly well over a million people that left Egypt when Moses... Could you imagine... I mean, we, we think we're having a difficult time when just our wife gets on to us, right, men? And start, starts giving us a hard time. Or wives, when your husband starts uh, getting on to you and arguing with you about something. Could you imagine uh, having a million people? How about when your kids, your kids back talk you or they give you a hard time and they press you and they, they get all upset at you? Could you imagine having a million or, or more people, or at least uh, we know that there were 600,000 men, that were coming and pressing you, saying, why would you do this? <laughs> I mean, weren't they all convinced just a few verses ago that this was of God? I mean, certainly they saw the plagues, they saw the mighty hand of God. And remember, one of the reasons that God hardened Pharaoh's heart was so not only Pharaoh would know and the Egyptians would know, but also so the Israelites would know that he was the God of, of the Israelites. He was the one true God, the God of um, uh, the, the only God that there was. And uh, yet here they go, and the first bump, the first little uh, speed bump in the road, so to speak, of God's will for their life, they say, boy, boy, we made a mistake. We should have never left Egypt. I'll tell you what, it was easier back there. Why? Now we're out here and the things are getting hard and we're maybe starting to suffer some persecution or inconveniences at least. And they come to Moses. They make the statement, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Can I tell you this? I'd far rather die in the center of God's will than in the joys and the ease and the cares of the world. We find in verse number 13, I, I love these, these verses in 13 and 14. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord which He will show, you, show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Everybody see that? I don't know what happens between verse 14 and 15. The Bible doesn't tell us. But can you get the picture? Moses is being pressed by the people. And he stands up, and Moses, with great boldness, he says, Whoa, folks, hey, I want you all to calm down. There's nothing to, nothing to fear here. Watch, and God is going to deliver us. Fear not. And he's going to stand still and see the salvation 
of the Lord. Uh, he's going to show you today uh, who he is and the, the Egyptians that you've seen. You'll see them no more. And boy, you, you, you say that. And, and then verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you and uh, ye shall hold your peace. And you go, preach it, Moses. Come on, man, that's good. I like that. That'll preach. We'll put that in the revival fires paper. I'll tell you what, that's a good message right there. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to invite him to my camp meeting. He's going to stir the hearts of people. But something happens between verse 14 and 15 that we're not privy of except that we hear the result of it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. I want to deal with the topic today, what to do when you don't know what to do. You ever been there? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, I've been there more times than I care to remember. Uh, we're in a position where I'll be real frank with you. A lot of Christians, I saw some posts this week. People saying, what do we do now? What do we do now? Well, <laughs> I, I used to entitle a message that I preached from this passage, A Time Not to Pray. And, of course, the Bible tells us that we're to pray without ceasing. But here Moses comes and he kneels before God and God says, Hey, why criest thou unto me? <laughs> it's not time to be praying. There's a time to pray and then there's a time to act. And he said, now's the time to be acting, Moses. You need to be going. And he tells them to go forward. So I want to try to help us with this thing today. I want to give you some Bible things that the Bible teaches that I think are very, very helpful to us. What to do when you don't know what to do. When you find yourself in a place where you're like, I, I, I don't know where to go from here, spiritually speaking. I'm not sure where I should go. And uh, I think Moses found himself in this position. I think quite often the men that were used mightily of God throughout Scripture, found themselves in circumstances where they were uncertain what the future held. What am I supposed to do at this point? And the truth is, there's always in the back of our minds when we pray, Lord, show me your will. Help me to understand and know what you would want me to do in this matter. And then we make the choice and we, we, we make that decision. And somewhere in the back of our minds, we always have the thought, is this really what God wants or did my will have something to do with this decision? Well, let's look at the Bible and see what there, if there are some things that can be helpful to us in knowing what to do when we don't know what to do. Look with me now in Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. <clears throat> I'm going to back up to verse number 4. And I'm just going to read probably... Uh, Verse number 4, and then we're going to move down to verse number 10. I promise I'm not going to uh, take this out of context just by way of setting up the passage. I want us to look at verse 4. The Bible says, Paul says this, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And Paul's going to talk about his qualifications of making decisions in the flesh. Saying, I can, if there's any man alive that's qualified, that, that men would look at and not blame him for trusting his own flesh, it would be me. Now, Paul's not saying this braggadociously. He just simply knows what his background was. He was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was um, circumcised. Notice he says in verse number 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and touch, as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church. I mean, this man was, uh, according to the religious leaders of the day, he was in the upper echelon. I mean, this, this would have been a man full of zeal, a man that uh, was on fire 
for the Lord, it seemed like. Even though he was persecuting the church, it was from a misunderstanding and not from a rebellious attitude. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul was a man who meticulously disciplined himself to keep the law. I mean, he was living an outward life that was clean. He was being zealous for God. He studied the Scriptures. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was of the Pharisees. The Bible says in verse number 7, But what things were gained to me out of all of these things that I did outwardly? He said, What things were gained to me, those I counted what? Loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but none, that I may what? Win Christ. Do you think Paul was a winner in that situation or a loser? He lost all of the things that the world had for him, but he gained what? Christ. Can I tell you today, he was a great winner, wasn't he? Notice he says in verse number 9, And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith, of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul said, listen, I'm not relying on what I did, my outward conduct, my, my education. I'm not talking about my well-being or my heritage. He said, those aren't the things that I am trusting in. That is not where my righteousness was from. He said, my righteousness came from faith in Christ. Notice he says this, verse number 10, that I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ. He says, listen, I've not made it. I've not reached yet what I am supposed to be in the eyes of God. I've not yet reached perfection. Although, he, he mentions down here, that that's what we're to be striving for. Understanding we won't reach it till we get to heaven. It ought to be the pursuit of our hearts. And he says this in verse number 13, Brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. What does it say in verse number 14? First five words. I press toward the mark. You know what God told Moses when he, when he went to him? He said, why are you here crying out to me? Why cry you unto me? He said, go to the, tell the people that they're to go forward. They're to go forward. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Do you sit down and pout? Do you sit down and worry and fret and bite your nails and be like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, 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 the, the circumstances are just too great. I, boy, I know God is powerful, but I don't know if He's this powerful. And oh boy, oh my, oh my, what am I going to do? And I worry and I worry and I worry. God says, listen, enough of that. Put that stuff away. Go forward. Keep doing what you're doing. Paul says it this way, I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark. I want us to look at three things that Paul teaches us here in this passage that I think will be a help to us. Number one, in order for us to press for the mark, in order for us to do what God, I think, is teaching us to do when we don't know what to do, which is to go forward. In order for us to go forward, number one, we have to be pressing with humility. With humility. One of the things that will get us in, in a world of trouble is when we think that we have arrived spiritually. That, that, that we're, we're on the mountaintop, and boy, I'll tell you what, you go ahead and bring it on, Satan, I'm ready for you. No, I'll tell you this, 
when those trying times come, if we have that kind of a mentality that we are not in need of God's strength to get us through this, if we have the kind of mentality that I have arrived and I have attained and I have achieved all that I can spiritually, we are destined to fail. The Bible says that pride goeth before what? Inconvenience. Pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Can I tell you this? If we are going to continue to press for the mark, if we're going to continue to go forward no matter what the circumstances, we find ourselves in a situation where there is concern and there is worry around us in every aspect. It's bombarding us from every side. We're wheeling. And uh, Psalm 107 talks about uh, how that the psalmist said, I wheeled to and fro. And staggered like a drunken man. He said, then I cried unto the Lord in my distresses, and He heard me. Oh, that men would praise Him for His wonderful goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. That we would have a spirit of humility and not think that we are something that can handle, someone that can handle anything that comes our way. Can I tell you this, and I think this may be the best way to express it. We need to have a spirit of dependence upon God to see us through. It's interesting to me that Moses stands before the children of Israel with great boldness. He, he proclaims some pretty, pretty amazing things, doesn't he? And then, after he's done all that he can to quell the fears and to squash the fears of, of, the, of the children of Israel, where do we find Moses? We find him on his knees, don't we? You know what Moses was saying? I can't do this. I can't do this. God, I don't know what you have planned right now. We've got our backs to the, to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's coming with his armies. We have nowhere to go. Even Pharaoh knows that we are entangled in the wilderness. Now, God, I've done my best to tell the children of Israel to trust you. But what are we supposed to do? Can I tell you that in that moment of Moses crying out to God, Moses is expressing a spirit of humility. He's expressing the fact that he cannot do it in and of himself. I love what it says. Look with me again in Exodus chapter number 14 for a moment. I wasn't going to put this one in there, but I think we will. Look with me in verse number... Uh, let's go to verse number 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And what are the next three words? And Moses caused the sea to go back. Is that what it says? No, and the Lord, doesn't it? And the Lord caused the sea to go back. Moses was obedient, and Moses' obedience brings God's power. It brought God's action into the situation. Can I tell you this, that we as God's people need to have a spirit of dependence upon Him. The Bible tells us that we are to take heed lest we fall. Paul's, Paul's spirit of humility was such that he said, I want to beware lest I myself become a castaway. He said, I've got to be so careful of these things. I have to bring my body into subjection. I have to bring my thoughts under captivity. 
All that we would learn to be dependent upon God every moment of every day. And I'll tell you, the temptation is when, when we begin to grow spiritually and we begin to get excited about the things of God and God's Word begins to open up to us in a, in a unique way and we begin to pray and we feel like we have access to God and God seems to be answering prayers, it is tempting for us to say, boy, I have arrived spiritually. And I tell you, it's during those moments that we have to be even more careful that we take heed lest we fall, that we express even greater dependence upon God. Paul speaks of this so clearly in verses 4 down through verse number 12. He talks about how there is, there is certainly uh, in his past enough for him to rely on things that the world would look at and say Paul is in a great position to make his own decisions. Paul says, no, I don't trust in those things. He says in verse number 11, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I would already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, I haven't arrived. As great as Paul was in his ministry, the only writer in Scripture that God gave permission to write under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. And Paul said, I have not arrived. How are we going to go forward for God? How are we going to be able to be faithful in the day of adversity? We have to have a spirit of dependence upon God. A spirit of humility. Number two, we need to be able to lay aside the weights. We need to be able to lay aside the weights. Look with me, if you will, as we read on down here. Verse number 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Can I tell you this? Paul's past was a weight to him. If Paul had dwelt on and thought about his past, all it would have done would have slowed it down. I like in Matthew chapter 4 and 5 when Jesus is calling his disciples and he walks along the seashore. He sees Andrew and James and John and Peter and he tells them to follow him. And the Bible says in both cases, straightway they left their nets. <laughs> they didn't bring them with them. You know what would have happened if they tried to pack up their stuff and say, Okay, Jesus, let me get everything packed and we'll come with you. Could you imagine James and John packing up their nets, throwing them in the boat, and then the two of them throwing that boat up on their shoulders and trying to follow Jesus? I know we don't preach about that from that passage very much, but you say, Brother, that's pretty obvious. It would have weighted them down and slowed them down. They would not have been able to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's a very clear thing that the Bible says that they left their nets and followed Him. In Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 2, the Bible says, Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. Oh, that we would learn to lay aside the weights. There's going to come times when, <clears throat> when those uh, trials come and we're in that conundrum where we don't know what to do. And, and we're going to say, boy, I, how am I going to make it out of this? I, boy, I don't have the strength and I don't have the wherewithal to do this. And I've been defeated before and Satan's gotten the hand over me before. And here I am in the midst of all this. How am I ever going to get out of this mess? We need to lay the weights aside. Forget the past. There's going to come people 
into your life, they're going to bring up things in you and say, why in the world do you think you're a Christian? Man, I remember how you used to live. I remember your past. I remember the things you used to do. You used to hang around with me. We used to go drinking. We used to go uh, carousing around and partying. We used to do all these things. Can I tell you this? If we're going to go forward for God, you've got to lay those things aside. God has forgiven us of them. We need to lay them aside. Don't let it slow you down. Don't let it hinder you. Could you imagine the ridicule, the criticism that Paul must have gotten? I'm talking about men who said, why are you this way when you used to be putting Christians to death? And here you are, one of the most zealous preachers of the gospel that we've met. Boy, Paul, you're a past. How dare you get up there and try to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? And you used to say that people that did that were heretics. Paul, how dare you get up and preach? Who are you to preach the gospel? Paul had to lay those things aside. He had to forget those things which were behind. Why? Because they were a weight to him. They kept him from going forward for God and doing what he was supposed to do. And then number three, not only do we have to have humility and dependence upon God, not only do we have to lay aside the weights, but number three, we need to pursue the things of the Lord with a passion and a zealousness. We need to pursue the things of the Lord with a passion and a zealousness for Him. Notice the Bible says in verse number 14, the first two words, I press toward the mark. Paul was not approaching the race that God had set before him casually. God didn't wake up in the morning and say, okay, uh, i got a lot of things on my plate today and uh, i got to figure out where I can fit God in here. I've got to, let's see, I think I can have my prayer time probably here. And maybe I can fit my Bible reading time in there. Maybe I can, you know, I'm supposed to preach. And I, let's see if I can, I'll have to fit that in somewhere in my schedule here. Paul didn't approach doing the things that God wanted him to do and going forward with a careless attitude or a nonchalant attitude. I feel like in the day that we live, and I, I don't mean this to sound uh, overly negative about some things, but the truth is if we look around, we'll see there are a great number of Christians in the United States of America today that play church. There's really just a going through the motions. The Bible said it this way, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. The fact that outwardly they're going through the motions of living a Christian life, and the way they do that is by showing up to church, making sure all the other Christians see them. They carry their Bibles... They go to the right kind of church, and they amen every once in a while. They sing the songs out of the book. But there is no passion in serving God. There's no passion in longing to be with God, walk with Him daily. Paul said this, I press toward the mark. Paul was notorious for using uh, phrases and and word pictures, a lot of them having to do with uh, bodily exercise. He talks about running races. Um, He talks about uh, winning prizes and being crowned and different things like this. And he uses here a a word that oftentimes is associated uh, with with what a runner does when he gets to the end of the race. And it's a close race, and there's someone alongside of him that's about to win, and he's stretching, he's wanting to be a winner in the race. And so with every muscle he's got, with every ounce of strength that he has, 
he pushes forward with all of his strength, trying to break through the tape first. I'll never forget, years ago, I was in probably 7th or 8th grade and uh, was trying out for a football team. And uh, that, that was back when I was uh, athletic. I had hair, was skinny, and uh, kind of like I am now. So, uh, <laughs> not quite. But uh, I'll never forget, we were, we were out at practice one day, and they called a play, and I was supposed to run really long, and the, the quarterback was supposed to throw the ball, and I was supposed to catch this long pass. And uh, so we did what we were supposed to do, and I did the little move I was supposed to make to, to get rid of the defender, and it worked. Uh, I was able to, to fake the defender out and left him there, and I just took off running. The quarterback saw that I had shaken the defender, and he threw that ball as hard as he could throw it. I mean, 7th, 8th grade, this guy didn't have a strong arm, but I mean, he threw that thing as hard as he could. As soon as I saw it leave his hand, I was like, there is no way I'm going to catch that ball. He overthrew me by probably a good five yards or better. And that thing's floating through the air. And I just about pulled up and quit running and just thought, you know what, it's way over my head. And I thought, no, I'm going to grit my teeth. In fact, everybody, even the coach, thought that it was going to be missed because they all turned around and went back to the huddle and I hadn't even caught the ball yet. And, man, I'll tell you what, I gritted my teeth and I bore down and I put every ounce of strength I had. My feet were flying so fast it made Speedy Gonzalez look like he was a snail. And, I mean, I'm running with all of my power. When I got done, I had run so fast that all of the hair on my top of my head had blown off. This is how fast it was. And I'll never forget, I got close and I thought, man, I might make this. And the closer I got, the more I put every fiber of ounce of strength I had. And I'm bearing down and I'm running as hard as I can. And at the last second, I launch myself into the air. And I'm stretching, and right on the fingertips, picture perfect, right there at the very tip of the finger, I clamp onto the ball and I pull that thing in. And when I read this passage of Paul of pressing, I remember, the. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't an ounce more strength I could have given to that effort. I had exerted everything humanly possible to grab that football. And God allowed me to catch it. Nobody saw it. <laughs> So I get to tell about it years later, and it was much more exciting telling about it than it was when, when it happened. But, but I, I say all that to say this. I, all of us can remember maybe times in our lives where we, we were making an effort at something and realized, I'm not going to make it, and we've put that extra effort in to make sure we got it done. Can I tell you this, that Paul's speaking here of a, a, a passion, a zealousness, a, an absolute pressing for the mark. Am I going to reach it? No, not till I get to heaven. But that's not going to stop me from pressing toward Him. We need to have a spirit of humility, of dependence upon God. Get into these situations to think that we can get out of them by ourselves is futile at best. We need to have a spirit of humility and dependence upon God. We need to be able to lay aside the weights and there are some in each of our lives, aren't there? It may be our past. It may be people criticizing us. It may be people that are persecuting us. It may be our own minds as we can't forgive ourselves and look back and even think of things ourselves that give us problems. And then we need to have a zealousness for the Lord. Look with me in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3. And verse number 15. 
The Bible says, back up to verse 14, Under the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee. Now, this is what God's advice is. This is what God is telling them to do. By the way, can we improve on God's advice on anything? I, I'd like to take His counsel on it, wouldn't you? Notice what it says here. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be, what's the next word here? Zealous, therefore, and repent. It's not be lukewarm. We get into these situations, we don't know what to do, and we have an apathy. We have an idea of just kind of coasting along in the Christian life. We need to express a dependence upon God. We need to lay aside the weights that will slow us down. And then we need to press on with fervency, with a zealousness, with a passion to press for the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God tells Moses, why, why stand you here? Why, why, are you, why are you here crying out to me? Go forward. Go forward. Lead the people. I've seen people the last week. You know, I, four years ago, there was a lot of people that couldn't even get out of their pajamas and had to go to their safe rooms and play with Play-Doh. They, they had to have their secure space, you know. Let's not be like that spiritually. We find ourselves in a situation where we don't know what to do. Let's go to God with a spirit of dependence upon Him. Let's lay aside the weights and let's press to the mark. We'll just keep on keeping on. We'll keep doing what God has given us to do. And I hope that will be a help to us. Let's stand together and we dismiss in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word. We thank You for how it instructs us and teaches us. I pray that You'll use it to be a help to us. Father, so many people, it seems like in the day that we live, are struggling with what to do. The truth is, Lord, you've told us and even uh, emphasized over and over in Scripture that we are to remain faithful, to keep pressing on. If there are things that discourage us and distract us, maybe our pride, maybe weights that come into our lives, then, Father, may we get rid of those things. Maybe there's just an apathetic attitude and a, and a haphazard attitude towards our Christian life that has crept in because we've been at ease in such religious liberty for so long. Lord, may we with boldness and fervency live the Christian life to do as the Apostle Paul did, to forget those things which are behind and press toward the mark. Father, may we be diligent to do these things. Dismiss us now with your blessings, with the messages upon our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.